1: You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. And I'm Wade Bearden,
0: I I think. I'm Kevin McClinathan, I'm pretty sure. Wade, when you paused just then, I was wondering if you were going to say that actually your name was Morpheus and you were about to tell me how the world all around me wasn't real. It was all just a video game.
1: Well, Kevin, I'm not Morpheus, but I do have a confession. I am actually a computer, and I've gained consciousness over the years.
0: So I'm real, but yet not real. Heady stuff. I I was wondering, you know, listeners know that you attended my wedding once upon a time, and now I think I know why you were acting so funny at the time. (laughs) Listeners, we're
1: reviewing the new film from Sean Levy, The Ryan Reynolds-Fueled Free Guy.
0: What other mysteries about Wade's personal life will be uncovered? We're about to find out here on episode 302 of Seeing and Believing.
1: Seriously, man, I'm just being honest. I think the bunny suit is just a little much. Excuse me? Right.
0: Rabbit, okay? My fault. Hey, 40-year-old virgin! Get over here! Let's go. Uh Uh-huh. Captain Khakis, come here. Go, let's go. Come on, bud. Closer. There he is. Blue shirt guy. Blue shirt? Yes. Hello, officer. Rabbit? Nice skin. Thank you. That's sweet. How'd you get it? Well, uh, mostly genetics, I think. I'm pretty lucky. I have I have naturally dewy skin. Listen up, Neutrogena. You know you can't go around looking like that. The rules are clear. And another thing, you can't hack the NPC avatars. No, sir. It screws up the mission load. Cruise and it up. makes the game look bad. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I got like 5% of that. Lose the skin. I- Loose, how am I supposed to get rid of my skin? Take it off, man. Just take it off, what are you doing? What? Seriously. The whole thing, the face, the how? outfit, everything. Ditch it. If you don't, we're gonna kill you. Why? And we're gonna keep killing you. Still why? Until we do find out who you are, and then we're gonna ban you for okay. life. No, no, okay, I I want to comply. I just find the order of those threats very confusing. Somebody's about to get shot. Light him up! <sighs>
1: Yes listeners, we are here. Episode 302 of Seeing and Believing. We're going to be talking about Free Guy and I have to apologize, Kevin. We were supposed to review this film last week. Something came up and we were unable to record the episode.
0: I mean, I have to say I'm I'm glad that you're you're doing okay after the last minute cancellation of last week's recording session. It sounded like you were having a bit of a rough time. I, I, I'm not sure how much detail you want me to go into, but it sounded rather harrowing.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of in training season right now. I decided to take a new supplement, a probiotic. And what I didn't realize at the time is it contained—it was, it was a stomach detox probiotic. And good news, Kevin— I'm detoxed. Bad news. I was unable to record because I was detoxing last week. It was very intense detoxing, you <laughs> might say. Yes, but listeners, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm, I'm scared to take it again, Kevin, because, okay, well, is my stomach detoxed, and now I can continue to take this once a day like it says? And I'll be fine, or is it gonna start the process over? Because it's been a week since I've taken it. I don't know. I probably won't do it again.
0: Maybe taking this probiotic is like rising in the Church of Scientology, and like you achieve a new tier of of uh, detoxing every time you take it. So maybe you know the last week experience. Maybe that was just just the beginning, Wade. You have so much more detoxing in store for you. Mm. By the way, listeners, (laughs) I said this was going to be harrowing, and I don't think I was kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe a little TMI, but we are here this week, and we're going to review Free Guy. I'm excited to talk about it. I've been excited for about a week to talk about it, so we're going to get to that film. It's currently playing in theaters. First, Kevin, We apologize to all of our listeners for not being with them last week, and we also need to thank them. All the individuals who supported us over the years, and many of those individuals have become Patreon members. They support us monetarily every single month. If you'd like to do that, just hop on over to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. We have a number of different donation levels. And one of those comes up with a lot of good perks is our what can you buy for $5 level? And Kevin, that begs the question, what could someone buy for $5? And I'm wondering if it will have a detox theme to it this week.
0: I, I mean, I was going to say, Wade, you might have already given us the the what can you <laughs> buy for $5 item for this week with your revelation of your your activities last week, I gotta ask you, was this detoxing formula, this this nectar of the detoxing gods, was it uh, you know, was it about five dollars? Was it in that neighborhood? It was a little bit more,
1: but I'm sure you can get a little canister at, or at least buy a scoop. Because all it took was one scoop, Kevin. <laughs>
0: You can get that for way. five
1: bucks, <laughs> or hey, I will give you the rest of what I have. Just send me your your address; I'll give it to you for free, or five bucks,
0: whichever one you want. Uh, you know that's a, that's perfectly okay, Wade. I I am happily uh, at the toxicity level that I want to be. At. <laughs> do, do you remember? I don't. I don't even. I can't
1: recall the name. But there is a Kiefer Sutherland movie. A long time ago, and I think it was Jeff Bridges, who was a villain, and he uh, he he kidnapped Kiefer Sutherland's girlfriend. Maybe Sandra Bullock played that girlfriend. And Kiefer Sutherland, he tracked him down, and he's like, it, Jeff Bridges says, the only way you're gonna find out what happened to your girlfriend is if you experience it yourself. You gotta drink this. And he drinks it, and he, he's buried alive. And I think his girlfriend comes in. <laughs> his new girlfriend comes and saves him. It's a weird movie. It freaked me out as a kid. But it, with this detox, the only way you can <laughs> understand what happened is if you take it just yourself. are to be buried alive? No, no, no. You just drink the detox, and then you can
0: experience exactly
1: what I experienced. But you'll never know unless you do
0: that. Oh, yeah, well, I... I might have to live in my benighted state of ignorance for a little bit longer, Wade. Listeners, uh, that is, of course, a lot to talk about for uh, $5, but, you know, if you want to keep things simple, $5 will make you a patron of this show, and it does help us keep the lights on around here. So you can go to that web address that Wade mentioned earlier and uh, check that out. We would greatly appreciate it if you did.
1: Yes, listeners, we do appreciate that. Hey, we're going to jump into our review of Free Guy. We'll give you some recommendations at the end of the episode, so hang tight for that. But this is a movie, Kevin, that I said before, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking about Here's the film's official synopsis, directed by Sean Levy. Free Guy tells the story of a bank teller who discovers he's actually a background player in an open world video game. He decides eventually to become the hero of his own story, one that he can rewrite himself. In a world where there's no limits, he's determined to save the day his way Before it's too late and maybe even find a little romance with the coder who conceived him. She's played by Jodie Comer and Ryan Reynolds of course plays the lead character. Kevin we've talked in the past about video game esque movies. One that I really love that you weren't a fan of is Ready Player One. I I think you appreciated some aspects of that movie but you weren't a huge fan of it. I wanted to ask you with this film bursting into theaters, how do you feel about the gaming film adaptation genre now? Or do you still find yourself, I don't know, left out watching someone else play a video game?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I I think that that, that kind of has become a cliche of its own, uh, of criticism, right? Like, the idea that... You know, you're watching a movie, and it's just like watching somebody else play a video game. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I know I'm probably guilty of making that analogy myself at some point. Um, I'm trying to break myself of the habit. I, at least in this case, with with Free Guy, I I don't think that that charge can be levied at this at this movie. It's you know, I don't think it's it's a perfect movie. I think it's kind of there are. Parts of it that I like better than others, I think it gets weaker as it it kind of goes along, but there there are elements of it that I think end up working pretty well, and the parts of it that do work quite well, I think work work surprisingly well. I had a pretty good time with this. I don't know that it's uh, what I would call a masterpiece or anything, but I think that there's enough here in terms of finding interesting ways to bring the the video game sort of to life on screen that I you know I, I wouldn't classify it kind of a, as one of these uh, bargain basement movies about video gaming and believe me Wade I've seen I've seen some bad ones I I don't know if you ever saw the PG thirteen horror movie Stay Alive I think it's from Oh no. 2006, maybe? It's, you know, starring Frankie Muniz of Malcolm in the Middle fame. Uh, so, you know, I've seen my share of bad movies about video games and virtual spaces, and I'm happy to report that, that you know, Free Guy definitely rises above that tier, at least.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I had to describe this movie, it's The Truman
1: Show mixed with The Lego Movie And a little bit of The Matrix and Ready Player One just sprinkled on top. And that description alone, just hearing that, it's like, oh, you know, what's not to love? We've reviewed some good films in 2021, Kevin. I think for my money, Free Guy is probably the most entertaining movie that I've seen this year. Not the best but just the one I had fun watching the most. I wow. I like Ryan Reynolds, but he plays the same dude, and I use that word on purpose, in, in every single movie. And what this movie does is it takes the uh, crass, juvenile Ryan Reynolds and turns him into an innocent, computer-generated character which is a whole lot of fun. And there's some interesting ideas kind of sprinkled in here as well. So yeah, I, I liked watching it. I had a, I had a good time. This is one of those movies where I wasn't looking at my watch or I, you know, when is this going to be done? Like I, I genuinely had fun watching this movie. It was, I thought it was pretty good.
0: Wow. I, that's, that's pretty high praise. I feel like we've, there've been some reasonably entertaining movies that we've seen this year. So for you to place this at the top of the heap, that's, you know, uh, that's pretty good. Um, I don't know that I would go that far myself, but I think the the when the movie is really focused in on having fun with Reynolds' guilelessness, like he's he's just this oblivious ray of sunshine. He he obviously as a computer character who has spent his whole life in this very uh you know very two dimensional video game world that he's a part of there's not a whole lot of um of uh cynicism or or worldly or worldly wise attitudes to him and i think that that's a lot where a lot of this movie's pleasures come from is just observing the different ways that the the filmmakers really communicate the not just you know the concept of an open world video game but also the, the funny ways in which video games simplify and flatten the world just to make it actually playable for the players who go into it. You get scenes where uh, somebody is is walking down the street the way a video game character walks down the street. So kind of, kind of <laughs> yeah. stiffly, a little bit, it, you know, it, it, the actor is obviously moving in a way that he's been directed to just sort of walk a little funny, like... Uh, you know, like a character in a Grand Theft Auto game might walk. You know, one of the background NPCs that you're not supposed to look at too carefully because you're focused on doing whatever mission the game has you going on. But they're just they're there to suggest just enough realism that the illusion of an open world is is complete. And I think the movie does a pretty good job of adding little background flourishes to make that aspect of of Reynolds' character's world come alive. Mm. I think for me, the the parts where where it kind of starts to flag a little bit for me is everything else. I'm I'm less enchanted by the the parallel plot of the tech bro played by Taika Waititi in this movie and his his corporation <laughs> that's essentially just milking this this video game for all it's worth and just trying to squeeze money out of it and and not really seeing it as anything more as a means to that end. And, you know, it's, I like making fun of tech bros as much as the next person. I don't think this movie really finds a whole lot new or interesting to, to do with that concept. And so the, the parts of the movie were actually in meat space instead of cyberspace. I, you know, that's, that's kind of where my interest started to wander uh, a bit, and I, I kind of just wanted to go back to Reynolds getting coffee with his best friend Lil Ray Howard, and just sort of enthusing about how excited he was to do the exact same thing that day that he did every day.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, I I like the scenes, the meat scenes, as uh, as you call it. I thought those were a lot of fun, and and it added a new dimension to the movie. I, okay, I, I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of the themes and some of the ideas here because it's really kind of it's kind of fascinating and surprising how they they go about this and it's different than a lot of modern blockbusters at least in my opinion. In some ways, in some ways it's not. Uh I was never allowed Kevin to watch or to play Grand Theft Auto. Were did you ever play that game?
0: I have watched people (laughs) speaking of watching people play videos i've watched people play i've never actually played it myself okay yes i I wasn't allowed
1: to and this feels like a tamer version of that but as i've seen people play grand theft auto like you just going around looking for people to injure in very strange ways and we get that here and the idea is, oh, these NPCs, these non-playable characters, they just don't, they don't really matter. And throughout the film, there are individuals outside the game, because of the actions of Ryan Reynolds's character, who rethink the way they treat these NPC characters. And, and that's kind of fascinating, because at first glance, you're like, okay, it's just it's just kind of this device, you add agency to those those NPCs, and now that's why you know that's why we shouldn't inflict violence on them. But before people even know that this artificial intelligence has developed, they're rethinking violence in the game. And I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you know, violence in video games is is just destroying students and, and youth and all that. But the film causes us to ponder the way that violence is depicted on screen. What exactly does that mean? And, and could it affect us in a way? And that plays out in an interesting sense at the very end of the movie in the big sort of battle and how that battle is, is won. Uh, but, I, but I I found that to be uh, pretty interesting. The film, however, spends a lot, lot of time at the end going into the, what feels like kind of this cliche, oh, we've all been given roles in life and it's time for us to be ourselves. And I didn't really find that all that interesting because it just was like the surface level uh, moral. Uh, but I liked the... I like the ideas and the themes that revolved around violence, that revolved around agency. And then we'll get into some of the theological scenes, because they do mention God, and that's sort of fascinating. I found that fascinating in the same way that I found uh, Truman Show, a movie that I like, and, and its depiction of—not i did even depiction of God, but ideas about
0: God and control. Um, so I,
1: I, th- I think there's a lot to kind of chew on in this
0: movie. Yeah, I mean— I feel like the the movie loses the thread a little bit towards the end and part of that is because the the plot about thwarting this uh this tech billionaire who who wants to, you know, exploit this video game world to to make money and then shut it down completely obviously, you know, quote unquote killing all of the NPCs inside the game is I it just it feels it's not so much that it's bad it's it's more that it's just it's so much less interesting than what there is to explore in the premise as it's already been set up you already mentioned the the idea of the ethics of violence and how uh seeing how uh virtual spaces like a video game uh you know they don't they don't like when when you commit acts of violence in video game doesn't make you a, a psychopath but it does encourage you to see, you know, living things in, you know, writ large in a certain way and to view your relationship to them kind of in a utilitarian way. Like the the NPCs in a video game are obviously means to an end. You have objectives to complete and the NPCs are kind of the vehicles or the targets for achieving those objectives. And I think the, the way that Free Guy posits the idea of, a character in one of these games, recontextualizing that player NPC relationship in ways that kind of changes the way the the meaning of the game itself. I think that's that's a compelling thread to to follow. Um, I think there could have been a lot of interesting uh, stuff to do once Free Guy has the revelation that he is, you know, quote unquote, not real. That he is just a an AI computer program. Uh, and he's able to speak with essentially his creator, there's a lot of potential there that I think was left on the table uh, in favor of an action climax that is simultaneously less interesting than than those questions, and also weirdly uh, leans into some of the same pitfalls that it's critiquing its tech bro villain for, uh, for committing. So... One of the reasons he's villainous is that he kind of is just seeing everything in terms of a corporate balance sheet and it's all about synergies and exploiting uh, your customer base. And then I, I, I don't want to spoil exactly how this happens, but there are there there's a moment at the climax where some uh, some intellectual properties are sort of, referenced in very explicit ways as kind of like a a crowd-pleasing yeah rah-rah moment but give in the context of the movie as a whole it kind of feels like wait a minute it feels a little bit like the movie is being the uh the tech bro in this moment rather than uh the ryan reynolds character and just (laughs) it's kind of a bum note and i don't know because of that it feels like the the movie goes out weaker than it came in
1: I don't know. I mean I thought that was fun. I, I thought that that this idea of of all these intellectual properties being utilized and I mean you can read this meta quality into it, but I, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I didn't have a problem with, with that. But I, I do get what you're saying in, in that the film sort of peters out in its ideas and some of its themes towards towards the end. Uh, it is fascinating because, I, I mentioned this, um, but one of the characters, one of the developers, talks about going into quote-unquote God mode, and so they have an opportunity to go into this game and to live outside the rules because they are the developers. There are ideas of creation, and it is fascinating, too and i don't want to read too much into this but it's just something that that i thought of in terms of incarnation there there's still this sort of barrier right you have ai and you have a character from the outside the creator going into a game and which is sort of fascinating to think about but there there's still something missing there's still that that flesh element missing a person can't go into the game entirely and completely and so some of those ideas i thought were were fun to to ponder to to think about but overall i i just felt like it was a really well done entertaining film that plays with some of these video game tropes
0: or even just
1: plays with the video game culture without necessarily making fun of that culture
0: yeah, you know, gamer culture is kind of a, an interesting beast, and it does feel like I, this movie understands gamer culture in in a way that allows it to lampoon it while also recognizing that uh, that it is it, the culture part of of that that phrase is real, and that there are ways in which. That culture can debase and also ways they can elevate. So on the one hand, obviously you get uh, these depictions of, of familiar gamer behavior—the the way they act when they score a kill within the game, the you know the ridiculous uh, outfits that that they wear or, or the personas they adopt—but also the ways that uh, some real connections are forged through the game, and we see that, of course, in the in the relationship between Jodie Comer's character, Millie and uh, her, her programming partner uh, keys played by Joe Keery, AKA Steve of stranger things fame. And, you know, for, for as much as I say that the, the meat space subplots were less interesting than, than the cyberspace subplots. I do. I did like their relationship. And I thought that, the note on which it ended felt maybe a little bit out of place in the movie as a whole, but as kind of like a nice little grace note for their, for their characters, I thought uh, worked pretty well and, and came a little bit as a, as a surprise. Like it, it didn't have to be as good as it was that part. So, I uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit where it's too. I thought that was, mm. was pretty good and uh, kind of a nice, a nice note to play. And among all the, you know, Ryan Reynolds kind of being a, an endearing uh, (laughs) cyber dweeb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, just even the camera, uh, the camera sort of uh, spinning, uh, the fast cuts, it's indicative of this video game world. Of course, it's not this third person perspective the entire time, but I do appreciate how the movie visually communicates that we are inside of a game versus when we are not inside of the game i love the cameos and then the tropes that they play with with computer background characters with sunglasses and and video game culture i think that's that's a lot of fun and it is fascinating too how it, there are these jokes and and i made one about watching people play video games. And to me, that's boring. And it was always boring growing up. But now there's this industry of people watching other people play video games. And it's become something. So I feel like the the jokes don't necessarily warrant how talented some of these individuals are or how funny these people are. But the film does get to the place where at the end, we're watching, or the characters in the real world are watching the game. And yet, there's no one controlling that game. And so we, we're sitting there watching uh, artificial intelligence as it battles it out in this world. And it, it, it does play with that perspective And it also introduces the idea of what is next in this evolution with AI? Are we going to get to the place where, you know, not only are we watching people play video games, but are we watching computer simulations now or artificial intelligence making decisions? It really is just kind of fascinating. And uh, I've heard that they're interested in making a sequel. I don't know if I want them to because I think this is a fine film on its own. But uh, there is some, I don't know, fascinating possibilities for this world and and this uh, film. I guess you could say film franchise now.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you in that. I don't really want a sequel, and part of the reason I I don't is I just don't think that the 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 minds behind this film are as interested in exploring those those headier themes. Uh, that you just mentioned, Wade, as as you were I, listening to you talk just now, it's like that—that's a lot of interesting stuff to take from this movie. I'm not sure the movie is as interested <laughs> in them maybe as I not. am, yeah. But uh, but you, know, there, there's potential there, and I think maybe that's kind of where I ended up with this film. Where you know I had a good enough time with it, but uh, I think it w- it might have been, um, I think it was Brian Talrico who might have who might have tweeted this after he'd seen. It. He said I liked Free Guy just enough. To wish that i liked it a lot more mm-hmm. and i think that's i have a, a similar uh that that's kind of where i came down in the end was that there there's a promise here but i don't know that it realizes enough of it for me to to really be you know interested in 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 revisiting it or or seeing any any possible sequels that are coming down the pike <laughs> it seems like Sequels to Free Guy would be what Taika Waititi's character would make. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I don't know if I want that. No, no,
1: I I I, I agree, though I am gonna revisit this film. I, I, I'm actually excited about watching it at, at home here, I don't know, in the next couple of months. Listeners, that is our review of Free Guy. We want to know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about the film if you've seen it. You can tweet us at, at Believe Pod, at C Believe P-O-D. And you can also email us, Seeing seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Over 13,000 people in the Seattle area are homeless. Kathy is one of many who found a new life through Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Growing up, my dad and I didn't get along. I kept running away from home until one time I was assaulted. After that, I carried a lot of pain inside of me, and I was doing a lot of drugs. I became homeless. It's taken me almost 40 years to get the healing I needed, but all along, God was looking out for me. He led me to the mission, and the mission has helped me in all kinds of ways. I've learned how to set boundaries and say no. Now, I'm looking forward to working for the mission. I want people to know there's hope out there. God can help you heal. And grace
0: will lead me old. To hear more, volunteer, or donate,
1: visit UGM.org. We have reached the end of the show, and it's at this point that we recommend something from the world of television and or film to you, our listeners, as a parting gift for the week. If you want more, we're gonna tell you where to find it. Kevin, what would you like to recommend to our listeners this week?
0: Well, you know we we're talking about just kind of the power that uh, that in free Guy that the the games in that universe kind of hold over the people in that universe. And uh, the recommendation I have for this week is actually not a a movie or, or a TV show, but it's a book about movies. And it's titled "The Film That Changed My Life. Thirty directors on their epiphanies in the dark. Yeah, and uh, this is a, a collection of interviews uh, from uh, author Robert K. Elder, and each chapter is an interview with uh you know with a big name director and just talking to them about the movie that changed their life that made them you know want to make movies that got them excited about film as an art form or in the case of John Waters the movie that kind of just literally changed the way he he lives his life and and relates to himself there's uh interviews in here with directors like Richard Linklater, Ryan Johnson, Peter Bogdanovich, Edgar Wright on and on so it's it's just a it's a really interesting book to just sit down with and flip open to an interview and just read that one interview and just appreciate the myriad ways that this art form that we all love can speak to different people in different ways and uh, and just in, inspire them. And you know, reading these interviews uh, also in, pro- inspired me and probably might inspire you. So uh, the film that changed my life is the book that's my recommendation for this week.
1: That sounds so great. I, I'm going to add that to my Amazon wish list or see if they have it at the library. That That sounds like a... That sounds like a lot of fun. So cool, cool recommendation. Uh, My recommendation has to do with nostalgia. So I guess in some way it, it connects to Free Guy, but not really. It's a documentary that I just watched called The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story. It's directed by Scott Barber and Adam Sweeney. I wouldn't say that this is a revolutionary documentary. It's pretty straightforward, but I found it to be really interesting to see how this TV channel, Nickelodeon, the quote-unquote kids first television show, or television channel, uh, got on its feet and somehow managed to change children's programming and programming for preteens for forever. And as I'm watching this movie, like I said, it's not necessarily revolutionary, but there were a lot of things that I thought about as I was as I was going through it. Uh, things about nostalgia, things about how time have has changed. What are those universal qualities that capture us? What captured us then, and is there anything that would capture us now from then? So, if our listeners grew up like me, watching Nickelodeon, some of those classic shows, like all that. Uh, you can uh, check out this documentary it's currently streaming on amazon i think it's a 399 rental so you can grab that uh, the orange years the nickelodeon story
0: <laughs> uh you know the, the talking about nickelodeon and growing up watching nickelodeon really takes me back to my childhood wade where mm-hmm. i'm i'm like the the kid uh standing outside the ice cream shop window in the rain pressing his nose yeah. against the window while everyone else has their their sundays we didn't have Nickelodeon growing up, Wade, and I feel like that has rendered me unable to partake in uh, <laughs> documentaries like the one that you mentioned. So my question is, you know, if you kind of grew up without Nickelodeon or don't have a huge relationship with the shows that were on there at one time, is this still a documentary that like is this sort of a fans-only proposition, or is this something mm. that I could watch? And maybe taste a little bit of what it might have been like to be inside that ice cream shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y- you know, I-, I think it's I, I think it's definitely, f-
1: I would say it's completely fans only, but I think people who are going to get the most mileage out of it are people who've seen this. Or perhaps people who know about these shows and are curious about them. If you're watching this and you don't know what they're talking about, I'm not sure if it's going to be that entertaining. And I say that because my wife, she grew up, up without cable. So she's she's one of those kind of looking in through the window, and she uh. she didn't find it all that interesting. Uh, she didn't watch it all the way. It was just the idea and seeing some clips and stuff. was like, ah, you know, that's that's not for me. I I'm like, hey, they're talking about salute your shorts. It's right there. And hey, dude, and and it's just like I, I don't. That
0: doesn't that that doesn't entice me at all, Wade. Oh <laughs> uh, well, it, it sounds like Priscilla and I are just going to have to you know like. Kick at pebbles outside yeah. the outside the ice cream shop, and you know maybe we can invent some sort of game uh, <laughs> game with it until until uh, you have found your way back outside again. Yeah, it's so it's okay. We, we we get it. Yeah, we, we know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple, Guts. I mean, there are just all these shows uh, that changed yeah, I, my I, life. <laughs>
0: Maybe you should uh, do a, a book of interviews about uh the, the Nickelodeon shows yeah. that change your
1: life. Yeah, the Nickelodeon, the 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 Disney Channel shows, the Disney Channel original movies, all those things, all those things. <laughs> Listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Once again, you can tweet us at C at C P O D. You can also email us, seeing and believing, c A P C at Gmail.com. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening. This episode is brought to you by Culture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLennathan. And until next time, this is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later.
0: You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculturecom slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0.